You're listening to Pod of Wonder, a podcast that creates a world using random Wikipedia articles and then plays a game in that world. This season, we're making a YA novel about wrestling in space. New recording. Yeah. Pod of Wonder, season five, episode three. Yay, we're chugging along. We have Maria back with us. So I think we need to decide what what is this episode going to be? Well, you know what? Maybe, maybe uh, Danny, let's start off with the uh, episode recap. The notes that uh, we took in our entirety from last episode. Pipe blaster. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. <laughs> Who's in charge of these notes? I mean, anybody can take notes. I'm just <laughs> reciting all the notes that we have, uh-huh. which is Pipe Blaster. Right. Actual recap, um, we were creating the... The mission. I guess the, the mission that this uh, orbital space station was from using the article SummerSlam 2003. Yes, mm-hmm. yes, a, that was it. A, a wrestling thing. And we decided that... It's like the the equivalent of like an international waters match where there's no rules except you're in space. Like, oh, they uh, they lost communications with the the planet below, but decided to keep on wrestling just as a way of like not breaking kayfabe and you know a- adapting your 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 wrestling ethos as a way of life. For our listeners, what does kayfabe mean? Oh, uh, that's just the practice so that everything that happens in a wrestling is real. Uh, In a wrestling. In a wrestling. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. I was going to be nice enough right now. (laughs) But I think we also kind of established it's all but forgotten now, 200 years since the launch of Expedition 34, that uh, uh, that communication was lost. Everyone up there, as far as we know, kind of believe that the broadcast still matters and that people Mm. are still following them um yeah we've got the summer slam which is the adult thing we've got snowflake day which everyone celebrates but the teen tournament version of summer slam with more of an obstacle course vibe uh Mm. the the blizz happens about six months later uh but yeah summer slam is the big the big one that everyone uh everyone rushes to watch or or so they think (laughs) <laughs> well, I think everyone on the on the uh, station is is heavily invested too. Yeah, there's like a like a top tier kind of like manager who who's in on the fact that the they've been out of contact with the the planet for a while, but Ooh. for for everyone else is kind of unaware that the the show is not necessarily needing to continue. Maybe that's something we flush out the uh, this episode. The leader. I mean, we'll come up with a name and everything, but I think the role of that central leader, who's you know, kind of un- the, the the human number one, where Edith controls all, but this person is kind of uh, at an elevated position where they might be privy to a little more than the average citizen. I had the thought that maybe we should figure out what happened to the station, like fifty or two hundred years ago, to cause them to lose contact. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I thought we were going to go into an episode potentially called The Truth, which we'd kind of take care mm. of towards the end. I oh, think right. Was, we'd, we'd talked about that because I, I think it's less so about what happened on the spaceship or on mm-hmm. Expedition 34, but more about what happened on Earth. Yeah. 
Because like YA stuff is generally more character focused and Mm -hmm. it doesn't necessarily matter how this government got in place so Mm -hmm. much as it is in place. What do you do in these constraints? Yeah. And unless you want to make a prequel series a decade later and fill that bank account. (laughs) But yeah, I mean, I I tossed the leader out there just because it was something that Danny brought up that we haven't covered, but I'm, I'm up for anything, uh, Anything else that we haven't really established? Hmm. Or we we could also do more like, what is day-to-day life on the ship now? But I I think maybe if we do something like that, we need to maybe bring it back to focus on the teens. Because we've kind of handled the meta history of this place. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But I, I think we're straying a little bit from the life of the teens Okay. Yeah, I like that. That'll mm-hmm. maybe help focus what comes ahead. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, multi-article uh, episode on on teens. Oh, in in the uh, the multi-article episodes, we each take our own article and do like a, a short description of it, and then the other three will ask us questions about that <laughs> thing and whatever we're turning that article into. Okay. So e. m- make sure you like the thing you have or or can spin it in a, a good way. Should we uh, uh, randomly generate some articles? Oh, I've been randomly <laughs> generating this whole time. <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, wow. Mm, yeah. Scandalous. Oh, wow. It's been a whole bunch T- of... TMI. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, what? Whoa. Oh, shit. Depressing. Oh, sorry. Danny, please. Did you find something? Oh, I found an I found an awesome lady. But I think I think first it's important we kind of go around and, and introduce what we got. Um, so I have no idea what I'm going to do with this, but I have Adele Spitzeder. Adelheed Louise Adele Spitzeder, uh, commonly known by her stage name Adele Vio, was a German actress, folk singer, and con artist. Ooh. Um, she was at one point considered one of the wealthiest women in Bavaria due to running a gigantic Ponzi scheme. She carried on several lesbian relationships while outwardly maintaining the persona of a pious Christian woman. <laughs> She um, she was unable to uh, perform under her own name due to her bad reputation in Germany, so she fled to Bavaria and performed and opened up several businesses near a horse racing track. How long ago was this? Germany and Bavaria weren't close enough that people from Bavaria would hear about people from Germany? Yeah, this is uh, 1832 to 1895. Uh, Morgan? Yeah, all right. I got a pretty good article for this. Um... The Brown Sea Island Scout Camp. Ooh. It was the site of a boys' camping event on Brown Sea Island in Poole Harbor in southern England, organized by Lieutenant General Baden Powell to test his ideas for the book Scouting for Boys. <laughs> <laughs> boys from different social backgrounds participated from the 1st to the 8th of August 1907 in activities around camping, observation, woodcraft, chivalry, life-saving, and patriotism. The Ooh. event is regarded as the origin of the worldwide scout movement. Um, so I got Highway 61 Revisited, the uh, uh, Bob Dylan album uh, featuring hits, uh, the hits, uh, what's it, Like a Rolling Stone and Desolation Row and a lot of other jams. Uh, some would consider it kind of a crucial album in the, in the overall rock oeuvre. 
I don't know if I'm using that word right, but uh, yeah, yeah, it's it's a thing, and there's a lot to unpack here in some of the songs, and I'm getting some ideas. <laughs> nice. It's my dean. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> we're eventually we're gonna get uh, Bob Dylan and uh, <laughs> and Ray, 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 Ray Romano. Maria, keep us on track. What's your article? <laughs> oh, 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 we keep us on track. Okay. <laughs> we need an adult. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, I'll go look for one, I guess. Uh, I got uh, the Santa Fe Courthouse Ghost. Um, it was a uh, it was a purported ghost sighting uh, captured on security camera footage at the uh, courthouse in Santa Fe, New Mexico, on June 15th, 2007. Um, apparently, it had a wide YouTube uh, viewership. Like, basically, it's, it's, it looks, from what I can see in the picture, it looks like an orange smudge on really grainy video footage. Got a wide array of periods oh. in history to draw from for yeah. very, very different things. So yeah, everyone read over yours, and then we'll each have, I guess, six minutes, since we don't do a hot seat with these. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Space! Are you stuck inside with nothing to do? Well, Pot of Wonder is here for you. From classic books to dankest memes, what's getting us through quarantine? So Morgan, uh, what have you been doing to get through this uh, pandemic? Well, we adopted a cat at the beginning of it, so he has been getting me through the pandemic. Um, his name's Morpheus. I named him after the Sandman comics, the personification of Dream. But also, I feel like it's fitting that his one of his nicknames is Xenomorpheus because he is very odd and makes his body go in very weird shapes, and he is it. <laughs> extremely long he is a long boy he is an incredibly weird tiny animal who knows how to open doors so we have to childproof them um (laughs) he sometimes will scoop food up in one of his paws to eat it like a little person and oh my god he likes to be in every high spot in the apartment um so we have his bed on the kitchen counter because he won't sleep in it if it's on the floor um, I'm pretty sure he's smarter than most human toddlers. <laughs> I, I feel like that's accurate. And I, I want to interject a little bit of context here for, for the listeners. We have, I think all of us here have been on uh, video chats with Morgan. And I think one of the uh, <laughs> terrifying, most terrifying things I have seen on a Zoom call is the black shape of Morpheus uh, starting off as a ball and then kind of stretching up towards the <laughs> door handle like some sort of silly putty. And again, it's like grainy mm. video footage too, so it's just even <laughs> scarier. And just watching that little paw expand, to, you can see the details of the paw too, and wrap around the door handle from either side and pull. It's legitimately frightening every time I see it. <laughs> That's my life. I love it. My life is like a hundred percent more spooky now because <laughs> there's also the moments where Morpheus will just be on top of the kitchen cabinets and stare down at us like a very threatening demonic gargoyle (sighs) stare directly into our eyes 
yeah. staring through your eyes into your soul and making yes. judgments. Mm-hmm. Yes. Have you tried making a fart raspberry noises into the top of his head as a form of <gasps> No, I haven't. <laughs> I find that that, that works. <laughs> It'll be something I'll try soon. <laughs> the, the next time he harasses me while I'm using my laptop. <laughs> yeah, there's a, yeah, I mean, you might get a claw, but, <laughs> but it's just the look of disgust might be worth it. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, yes. So everyone, go out and get yourselves a, uh, a an, an alien entity in a cat's body uh, mm-hmm. if you're feel, feeling low this pandemic. Spitzitter's business practices and accounting were unconventional and chaotic. Money was deposited in large sacks in various cupboards. Uh, the second experiment using bugs in the end was more successful. Radford originally tried to coax a small moth to fly in front of the camera lens, but was unsuccessful. He then purchased 1,750 ladybugs from a local supplier. <laughs> 1,000. That's a lot of ladybugs. Who buys so many? You get a discount if you buy in bulk. They, they don't sell them all a cart. No. They got them at Sam's Club. Mm-hmm. Really? You can't just buy one caterpillar. You got to buy a whole pallet of caterpillars. You can definitely get them on Amazon, though. <laughs> yeah. For about, 50, for about 15 bucks. And then Seriously? I just, just a thousand lady. Yeah, just a thousand <laughs> ladybugs. Put them in your yard or something? The, the price may have gone up since last time I checked. <laughs> I considered pranking some people by giving them thousands of ladybugs. Oh my god! So what are you going to wow. do with the ladybugs then? That's their problem. <laughs> oh yeah! Are we uh, ready to to pick up with bombarding Eddie? <laughs> sure. Give us yeah, give us a, a quick refresh on what yours is. A lot of the songs on the album, there's kind of a a, a kind of a rambly, uh, not necessarily dropping pop culture references, but historical references and uh, storytale re- references. I don't know. I feel like somehow we could create a uh, what this society knows of history. It's kind of less of a history book because a wrestling company is not bringing history books on board with it. So they kind of had to piece together what people knew over time, and it has kind of resulted in this giant rambling song. But all of Earth history that they know is this giant rambling poem song of references. Mm. Like a a bunch of, uh, you know, the early wrestlers, like mixtapes that they brought on board. (laughs) Yeah, like they, they base it on anything that they were able to find from the past. So it's a mix of the lyrics from, again, what was on like, well, you know, for fun, we'll say it was cassette tapes. Um, Mm -hmm. Maybe those hold up better in space, question mark. Um, (laughs) And when they were able to play them, uh, yeah, it's a mix of cassette tapes, uh, oral histories, uh, people citing what misinformation they had. I had the idea if like, if you made We Didn't Start the Fire as the national anthem. (laughs) (laughs) Oh God, yes. Except so, like, that's that's not Bob Dylan, but a, a, like yeah, a, but still. the same kind of like a list of historical events mm-hmm. as a way of educating people. Uh huh. Yes, definite that that kind of vibe. But it's it's maybe like thirty minutes long. <laughs> oh God! Because it's just been added to and changed over time, and maybe they've kind of settled on an official version. That again, maybe pe- people memorize for uh, as part of uh, maybe that's part of the. Uh, 
the blizz, like there's the physical part of it, but also there's the, the mental part where you've got to memorize a portion of, of this document. So you mentioned that these were all kind of salvaged from the, the bits of like earth culture that some of the wrestlers originally brought up with them. What is the most unexpected piece of culture that got turned into history? Oh, I'm going to say a lot of some of the broad strokes of the uh, certain landmarks of uh, uh, some America-like country, uh, because we haven't really named these places and we're trying to avoid real names. It comes from like a uh, a roadside diner placemat that one of them brought up is kind of a lucky charm. One of the wrestlers early on brought up like it's oh, it's a fond memory for my parents and I bring this with me to every match. Uh, and it's just kind of stuck around and somebody found it 75 years later, tucked between a corner and they're thinking, aha, this must this must be the truth of the country summarized in this uh, this parchment. Uh, how did, how could we lose this important piece of history? Are there any vulgar parts of the highway sort of avoided like telling kids until they're maybe a little older, like stuff like that? Um. I, maybe there's like an extra 10 minutes, seven, five to 10 minutes, depending on which party you go to that the adults kind of tell later on. And it, it's it's more of like an aristocrat's kind of improvised sort of feel uh, that you got to keep going with. But it's not necessarily something that's part of the official song. I'm having like a prep school vibe where like a stern headmaster is like recite section X of the, the blah, blah, of the highway. So is, is there kind of like a sorting system or order of these events? Are they like chronological? Or are they thematic? Again, it's kind of something that's been added to over time. Maybe not so much refinement of earlier passages, but it's a, it, there's a numbering system in almost kind of like a biblical way. So you've got the highway and then you've maybe got like it, maybe it's by minute uh, of when you should because it's kind of there's there's a, a pace to it and a, a tone. OK, um, so maybe the first minute and there are little annotations within where you could kind of jump to a different part. So it's not it's not just knowing the history. It's also doing it in a specific rhythm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. OK. Does that mean that there is a like a a museum or a university or a library of sorts and people who specifically study the artifacts and add on to the song formally, or is it something that just happens uh, organically over time? Oh, there, I think there is a a position, a librarian position, but it is mostly, it's less about keeping books uh, that people have, because again, those, those are now historical artifacts. Not many were brought on board with the wrestlers. Um, because that's not what their focus was, not, uh, uh, you know, any sort of slight against people engaged in uh, the wrestling profession. But not a lot were brought on board. That was just seen as excess weight in the beginning. But now whatever few they have are in this kind of uh, small museum. It's about the size of a, a standard trailer, but everything is very well kept and kind of kept in little pressurized tanks. Okay, so so this is more like, it's it's not a living document. More things aren't added to it. It's like, it's what we have is what we have. If something is found, there is kind of a discussion about what can we take from it. So if something new is found, a lot of the finding happened within the first, you know, 50 to 75 years mm-hmm. uh, uh, after the contact was lost. Um, so new things kind of trickle in, but it does take a lot of time for people to parse it and figure out how does this fit into what we have. Did they include anything 
since uh, they got onto the space station, or is everything only from the artifacts from before? Or do say do they if, if something happened in the first fifty years, uh, could part of that make it onto into the coda? Or I want to say maybe there's a separate uh, a separate song, a separate poem that kind of goes over the the history since they've been on board uh, Expedition Thirty Four. Uh, it's not the it's not as it's not viewed as important because it kind of changes a little bit more since they've got uh, they, they've got more that they can pull from since they the time they've been on there but uh the highway is the one that's that's kind of a more of a sacred text do many people um have there been like hoaxes where people have claimed to have found some new original item like that might have been like stuffed in an in a weird vent somewhere or something like that but like it turns out that they're you know not actually finding a legit thing and like is there like a process for judging legitimacy um the timer went off when you were saying that so i'll answer this i'll 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 answer this quick uh they did find a a cdr once uh (laughs) that somebody claimed was a a historical document uh and a a grand cultural uh a piece of importance uh but it was really just season two of dawson's creek and like the third disc (laughs) of it <laughs> and uh yeah that's that's the highway the the historical document that the teens all uh, learn all right who's going next i can go <laughs> it, like if, if no one else is like raring for it uh, i just want to hear one more example of how this works okay so uh adele spits at her uh it, it really seems like her her true passion is acting which is unfortunate because she's largely known for carrying out what is the like by all documentations one of the first ponzi schemes wherein mm-hmm. you borrow money from one person and and then pay them back with money you borrowed from other people so it's a a whole big borrowing chain of taking from peter to pay paul I'm turning that into kind of an an underground teen black market on Expedition 34 uh because it's a a space station all of the the kind of resources are are pretty heavily accounted for and, and inventoried so this is kind of the the way kids are like manipulating the the jobs they're given and the control over data they have in order to like trade out goods in exchange for like other goods or, or favors or what have you. Danny, your six minutes starts now. So who's at the top of this this black market? Uh, what social clique is kind of running the show here? So uh, this at the, the top of the chain is Bad Wild. Uh, she's one of the, the older teens who like kind of dropped out almost of the program, but um, they... They kind of saw a, a keen analytical mind in Bad Wild, and so they kind of put her in charge of like inventory management in the kitchen, and that gives her a, a great deal of access to most of the the popular goods that come in and out of the station. Is, is this black market like known to adults and kind of sort of a like, you know, you're not supposed to do it, but we're not going to like actively hunt you down for it or is it more of a very 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 bad thing to do the the adults 
you know, obviously when they were teens, they did the same thing. Mm-hmm. So there's kind of a, well, this is just what kids do. We know it's happening and we make allowances in the, the rations and stuff for it. But like there certainly is the potential for abuse. Like they they currently trust Bad Wild in this position because they know she's not going to go like too crazy with the like the trading and the favors and stuff. But like there is easily a way that like if she gave away too much of something, like somebody might not eat for a week. Mm. And who would be in charge of that kind of uh, uh, discipline? Uh, I think that would be turned over uh, primarily to Edith, and uh, under under Edith is probably the uh, the human vessel for her will, who is uh, Johan. He is the um, the the kind of ship disciplinarian. Mm. It, it sounds like he he doesn't have a a cool wrestling name, but it is in fact like his his cool wrestling name is Johan. He's he's just that straightforward of a person. <laughs> Johan, like, like Johan is not his birth name. He adopted the name Johan in the the course of the program. I'm imagining it's it's spelled Y O and not J O. Hmm. Johan. Uh, yep. <laughs> um, but so, what sort of thing would make? Because you know, Badwild wasn't always the one who kind of headed this up. Uh, so the, clearly, there's some sort of tradition there. Like, what what would cause Edith to shut this down? Clearly, it's allowed to a degree, but what sort mm-hmm. of infraction? What sort of uh, problem? I think the thing that Edith is most concerned about as an AI is the the inventory management and the way that the teens get away with a lot of stuff is just by like swapping off the labels on like the the different kind of food packets. So like if there's mm. there's kind of too much chaos like like say like you're trying to to give away some like meal A but meal A has been swapped out with meal B and you 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 think you're giving away meal C but you're actually giving away meal A but it's labeled with meal B that's the kind of chaos that <laughs> Edith doesn't stand for. Mm. Okay. There's like a, a whole inventory sub management. There's like the real Edith facing inventory, and then there's the personal like handwritten inventory that Bad Wild has, mm-hmm. and it's it's very hectic. It's handwritten. It's it's prone to like being misread. So it it's really sort of like a a rope of sand, if you will. <laughs> Was this kind of a, like subroutine for Edith? Kind of built in when the uh, Expedition Thirty Four was like launched, or was it something that you know a later person maybe might have like uh, tweaked in the code to make allowances for it? Yeah, it's not known exactly who tweaked the code, but mm-hmm. at a, a certain point, Edith really lightened up, maybe around like year 105. Mm. And we're not sure if like if that's the point where like a programmer did something or maybe Edith started making allowances for, for human behavior. But mm. like she's she's cool to let it go on as long as it doesn't wreck, wreck things too much for everybody else. Okay, somebody formerly managed a lot of inventory. Uh, stresses me out a little bit. Um, so, yeah, I, I bet. So is so. Do you can you uh, trans? Can you can you trade in three packs of cigarettes 
um, and they equal the same amount of value or weight or however Edith manages manages how the worth of the items of four say meal A versus meal, do, are there is there like an intrinsic value? Well, so Bad Wild has a a team of young, attractive uh, female underlings <laughs> who are like basically in charge of it, it's almost Craigslist like. And it's like, I have this many of this item. If you're, if you have this, we can, we can trade those. Like three cigarettes might be really valuable to one person, but completely useless to another person. And the, the, the team of, of beautiful underlings has to keep all that straight. <laughs> right. And, uh, that you, the, the timer went off, uh, during that explanation. Yeah. Got our, got our black market going. Nice. Yeah. Uh, just as a clarification note, um, uh, Adele Spitzeder spent the kind of the last few years in her life in a sanatorium near uh, Bad Bad Wild. I'm sorry, Bad Wild Bad, which is uh, apparently a uh, a huh. province in Germany. Bad Wild Bad. Come on the now. Bad Wild Bad. Okay. Um, I can go next. There's. Um, like a scouting program in uh, the space station, which was like instituted while back once they realized like, okay, we're going to have to do some long-term stuff and figure out ways to keep kids busy from time to time outside of like school and all that. um, Just so that everybody else can like keep up with operations and run the ship. The person who came to Edith, the idea was called, Brown Sea. <laughs> um, <laughs> so they're called the Brown Sea Scouts now. I don't want to know what he did to earn that name <laughs> in, in in the ring. <laughs> it was it was part of a white tile match. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> not not for long. It wasn't. God damn it! No, this is gross. I hate it. Okay. Um. Never mind. Uh, the person who came to Edith. Mm-hmm. But the idea for the scouting camp was uh, called Island Pool. Island Pool. Oh my god. It's going to take you to the deep end. Okay, yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, Island Pool worked um, with Edith to find, you know, corresponding ideas and, like, options for kids to do in, like, a scouting thing, but on a space station instead it's been running for, for like 150 years, I'll say. Because it's like a couple hundred years after. So it's been it's been really successful. They've uh, managed to use the scouts to implement minor repairs. And it's, it's kind of been a way to keep kids busy, but also enlist them to aid in the upkeep of the station without it being seen as like a chore or real labor. Because they do get like rewards and all that stuff. So are there different levels of scouts? Like, do you earn a certain number of badges for tasks that then, like, upgrade you to a different, like, degree? Yeah, and the different levels of scouts are named after kind of Earth creatures, but, like, misinterpreted Earth creatures. So, you know, for the younger kids, you've got the bar scouts. For, (laughs) like, middle school age, you've got the ogle scouts, you know, like, eagle, but without the E. And then... uh, You're from Philadelphia. It's eagles. Eagles. Oh, yeah, the eagle scouts. (laughs) 
Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> and then uh, for the top rank, you've got Leon Scouts. So in, in our kind of like Earth camp culture, there's these kind of like hazing rituals, like the snipe hunt where you, you go looking for a, a creature that doesn't really exist. What's the equivalent of this of, of that in this program? So once you get to the Leon Scout level, um, the older Leon Scouts will tell you about uh, the private Scouts only pool on the third level of the space station, which is mostly not in use anymore, that third level. And so it just like sends these kids on like kind of a wild goose chase to, you know, try and find this this Leon only pool and <laughs> but it doesn't exist. It never existed. <laughs> like the entire third level is just kind of like bare bones, kind of flat, sort of empty. It's just kind of an overflow storage area sometimes. What does uh, scouting lead to in terms of like your role later on as an adult on the ship? Because we've kind of established that the spacewalkers are celebrities and kind of the workers of the highest order because they get to get outside. And we've, uh, we've, you've set up that uh, the scouts are allowed to do things around the spaceship. Are there scouts that they allow outside? Like what, what kind of jobs is this setting them up for? Yeah. Um, if you put your kid in scouts and pretty much everybody does, but there's, you know, some holdouts who are like maybe richer and think they're better than everyone else. And they don't put their kids in the scouts, but most kids join it. Um, it gives them, it allows like Edith to assess some aptitude early on for different tasks. Like they'll go out for like tandem spacewalks with like one of the important like spacewalkers just to get out there and get like, get them used to the environment. And, you know, so depending on how they react to that and how like quickly they get their badge, like they might be more easily considered for the uh spacewalking program like it, it gives them kind of like experience and like a track record um is used to like uh figure out how social some of the kids are like you know maybe they're going to be more suited to work later on that would like they could do on their own and like kind of solitary work if they're like bad at working in teams or it's like it's kind of just like judges figures out their personality uh it's kind of like training for you know later jobs but it's based on like trying to find what everyone's good at and enjoys doing best what is the hardest to obtain badge you would think this would not be a hard badge to uh obtain but it's it's the spacewalk safety badge and it involves needing to assemble and put on a spacewalk suit, like, the first try. Because you, like, get to practice, but you have to, like, actually audition, kind of, to get this badge. You have to pass a test. Get hooked up to the right systems to be able to get tethered to the ship. Make sure everything's, like, sealed in. There's a bunch of, like, small, intricate steps that you really need to pay attention to. So it's, like... If you take this test and you take this exam and you fail it, like you just don't get that badge and you're it's going to be extremely hard for you to like maybe get into the spacewalk program later. There's one shot at it. It's definitely hard to get, but more because it's extremely easy to just forget one tiny, tiny element of it, especially when it's like under pressure and you and there's a time limit too on it. Like I I don't 
actually know how long it would take to put on a spacesuit properly, but there's a time limit and it's like a very quick time period because they have to like be able to act in an emergency where like they would have to like suit up really, really fast and hop out like within a short period of time. All right. And we had our, had our six minutes. Oh, <laughs> oh no, no, it's fine. Like that's, that's part of it. I just kind of, I mean, I, I don't announce when, when it exactly happens. Uh, Cause I like people finishing their thoughts. Uh, but yeah, all, all good things. Maria, I believe it's your turn. Okay, so the teens have uh, formed an extracurricular group where they uh, investigate mysteries around around the, uh, the space station. Uh, one of their recent mysteries uh, was the mystery of the glowing orb on uh, the lunchroom tape feed. Uh, they determined that it was a dust mite with a little bit of glow on it. Mm. It's kind of like the the babysitter club. They they take they take mysteries from uh, it's usually younger kids uh, who are curious about this or that, uh, and they they solve mysteries for them. With that, your six minutes starts now. What is a like a piece of technology that these kids have to help them solve mysteries? They have developed. A piece of recording device that's a a little de- recording device that's based on a, one of the uh, artifacts from the original mis- uh, mission uh, that was called the uh, Yakback SFX. <laughs> <laughs> wow! Oh my god! Amazing! Good. Beautiful! And and they can uh, they can record little snippets. Uh, they can spy on uh, the the adults or other students and record little snippets of their conversation. Does this lead to any, because uh, we, we talked about how the other one might lead to uh, uh, spacewalking. Does this lead to potentially any sort of position as an adult? I mean, definitely not directly. Uh, this is definitely an underground organization. It's just something they can do for fun. It's not mandated or, you know, or anything by Edith or the adults. But I think that they could probably put it on their resumes to you know, show that they are inquisitive or good at communications or, or maybe even um, uh, the role of uh, the disciplinarian or even uh, probably studies in studies in history, studies in in the artifacts. We could probably mm. swing it that way. It just depends. Huh. Interesting. Is there a number cap on like how many people can be in this in this uh, little mystery club? Does it look like kind of exclusive? Yeah, I think it's fairly exclusive. There are probably like five uh, main members, but then they also have, you know, contacts. They consider them contacts. Um, a lot of the, the younger kids sort of want to be, uh, you know, deputies in their organization. So they're like, they'll send them out on little little jobs, you know, to do recordings or to like scout a room for this or that. Maybe they, they also are looking for uh, the, the Leon pool, <laughs> but they could, they could pay the, they could pay these members through, uh, through the, uh, the black market uh, for, they're not official members, but they can be, you know, uh, hires of the organization. What is a case that they have solved that has like had like real ship wide consequences to it? Uh, they discovered uh, that uh, they were looking for the, the the mystery of the of the sooty footprints 
um, there were these uh, damp, dark footprints showing up in the middle of the night, and uh, they were, and it was found that there was a an unsanctioned uh, visitor to one of the kids' parents in the middle of the night, and it was a Ooh. secret meeting, possibly that that blew up one of the love triangles, caused a, a big stir. Ooh. Ooh. Mm. Um. So this is clearly accepted by Edith on some level, even though it's kind of quote unquote underground, but you know, adults still know about it may have been in it. Is there anything that this group has discovered that Edith doesn't know they know that could potentially like seriously wreck uh, the, the fabric of society that maybe they don't even know is that important? That's kind of a big question. Uh, <laughs> they discovered one of the um, original uh, transition tapes or recordings uh, from the earth uh, up to the space station, but they don't, they don't know that it's that they just, um, it's this really cool thing they found. They have cobbled together a device to watch it uh, from time to time, but they just think, but they, but they're so little, they don't know the ramifications of it. Um, It's just this like this neat thing that it's like curious and interesting that they like watching and, uh, but it's actually a, a record, a record of, a, of when there was actual communication going between Earth and, and the space station. Ooh, shit. Okay. Uh, who is like the, the ace detective and currently like, who is the, who is the Sherlock Holmes? Who is the, <laughs> the Adrian Monk, the Sean Spencer? <laughs> oh, Lord. Oh, no, I'm the buzzer. Uh, oh, no, but yeah, you can answer that. Oh, that's a good question. It should be a pretty good name, shouldn't it? Um, Pod of Wonder tip, you can always steal names from your article. Uh, Radford is the name I wrote down from Radford. I mean, that doubles as a wrestling name, actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Radford. 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 <laughs> Rad, uh, I'd like to I'd like to append that, though, with, um, you know, something in quotation marks, like, uh, what sort of, now I'm trying to ask a question, what sort of uh, materials... Uh, would they have discovered about, I guess, Nancy Drew, not Hardy Boys? What are other teen sleuths? Those are the classics. The well, cast of Riverdale? Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> let's, let's go Riverdale. Let's get some, some real whipped people in their mid-20s playing teens. <laughs> As the CW do. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. The Radford Riverdale? Ooh. Mm. Yes. That's a good name. Alliterative. Yes. Powerful. <laughs> he is a redhead. <laughs> or they are a redhead. We'll, we'll figure out Radford. Yeah. <laughs> Next episode, Radford. I have a feeling Radford might be somebody's love interest. Ooh. Ooh. It's mine. Don't tell him. <laughs> uh, I love that as like a background thing that that shows back up, like the the uh, love triangle between Radford and then uh, analogs for Betty and Veronica. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Paired with the Veronica analog, but pines for the Betty analog, as as it was meant to be, yes. as was spoken of in the holy texts. <laughs> Radford Riverdale is actually a devout follower of the Highway. Uh, and takes their name from a passage that was inspired by a page from an Archie comic book. Yeah, I was trying to, I was trying to go out classy with it and think I was I was like, oh, who's the best take from Sherlock Holmes? Or oh, and I can't remember anybody in the Nancy Drew mm-hmm. novels. 
Is that been a minute? Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then you're like, Riverdale. Perfect. Let's just go with that. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, another successful episode. I love what we're doing here. Yeah. Um, and I think we should dive in again soon. Uh, this this world is. I, I'm I'm loving flushing this out with y'all. Yeah. Yes. Very fun. So, how many episodes are there? I think we're we're aiming for. I think. Uh, let's see. We did two episodes of like content. I think maybe like six more of mm-hmm. fleshing out this world. Eight, you said. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Eight content episodes, and then we've got our final game. Wait, we have to. Oh crap! See, I don't even know how this art goes. But I'm like, there's so much in this world. I'm like, is that enough episodes? But then, <laughs> then we play. Uh-huh. Yeah. The yeah. the alternative is that we never stop. So mm-hmm. that's why there's timers. That's why there's seasons. <laughs> yeah. Because otherwise, we would just keep going. <laughs> This has been Pod of Wonder. You can find us on Twitter at Pod of Wonder, and you can email us at podofwonder at gmail.com. I'm Danny. You can find me on Twitter at DannyPlaysRPGs, and you can find the games I make at DannyMakesRPGs.itch.io. I'm Morgan. You can find me on Twitter at OwlBurning and on Instagram at MorganTheFay. Hi, Maria, and you could follow me on social media, but you wouldn't see any posts. And I'm Eddie. You can find me on Instagram at MonstersByEd, and you can find the games I make at Strange But True Games. Look for the Flying Butt logo. Our opening theme is Opening by Komiku. Our closing theme is Calm the Fuck Down by Broke for Free. Thank <laughs> you.